Welcome to Spoilers Intended, a podcast about series, novels, and films. For this episode, Disney decided to take a sprint, rely on a flint, and hoped for gold's glint, and perhaps a story that shall imprint. That's right, we're talking Disney's Treasure Planet. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. I'm Stephen Ford, joined as always by Andrew Knuckles. Hello. And Joel Killingsworth. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Little theft going on here. As I say hello and I stare directly into Joel's eyes. (laughs) It was not a loving stare. (laughs) I can assure you of that. But anyways, before we dive into Treasure Planet, and I feel like there would be better illusions there if it was Treasure Island, but there aren't because swimming in space is weird. Don't do that. It's, um, it's, it's soupy space. Soupy space. Yes, that's true. Soupy, soupy space. space. Nice, breathable space. N- nice and warm. Nice and warm. Yes, also. <laughs> and, and breathable. And radiation free. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, for a, a little bit of discussion before we dive in there, we are going to talk about something that popped up amongst us having a different discussion. Well, no, no. This, this, is, this is on topic with Treasure Island or Treasure Planet. Planet. What it, it is. is it is. It's on message. It mm-hmm. is on message. It, it came up as a result of that. Yeah. But it did pop up for various reasons. Joel can blame himself for this. <laughs> <laughs> but we are going to talk about our favorite romance. And for the definition of romance we're using, I'm going to let Andrew jump in. Okay. So uh, there are essentially, I'm going to say two general terms for romance. We have romance with love interests and emotions and, well, emotions kind of are both of these, but kissy things, things, (laughs) you know, then we have romance of being on the open sea, going the expanse of space, experiencing things, adventure, adventure. You want to give us the the definition we're working off of? So here is the definition of romance that we'll be using for our picks this week. In the strictest academic terms. A romance is a narrative genre in literature that involves a mysterious, adventurous, or spiritual storyline where the focus is on a quest that involves bravery and strong values, not always a love interest. Right. So we're, we're kind, of, kind of trying to narrow that down a little bit. Yep. But Nar- narrow it down a little bit, which is it's like a really broad you, definition. You could, you could fit a lot of types of films in this because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of films have heroes that have bravery and strong values. and mystery and adventure yeah exactly so i think just to kick us off because you are all in on this i'm gonna let andrew start i love romantic films i love thinking about you know being I'm, gonna on clip, the, I'm gonna clip just that little bit out and then give andrew like a 10 top top 10 rom-com list. <laughs> of course that hey i love rom-com films I, too. I, I do too uh romance anime and and um drama is some of my all-time favorite. I pretty much like, that's what I live off of when I mm-hmm. watch that kind of stuff. So, okay. The idea of being on the bow of a ship while you're going crashing through the waves or being on a, uh, a, in a, a granded space adventure. Right. Yeah. That's just what I, I mean, yeah, I, that's I, what you want. I, I eat that up. Yeah. So my pick this week has to be fellowship of the ring. Ooh, yeah. Okay. All right. That okay. So you have you have the bravery, which is Frodo and Sam trying to throw the ring into Mount Doom and and make the trek there, where they they don't know the way. 
they have to have all these, you know, all these companions mm-hmm. that come and help them. Mm-hmm. It's a very big, large adventure. And the thing that it's kind of one of those places in the film where, you know, you they've left Rivendell and you you have the massive sweeping shot of of the entire fellowship going over the crest of the hill and they have the hero shots of every single every single character Mm -hmm. that to me is like kind of the embodiment of romance he saw orlando bloom and was just like oh yeah oh (laughs) (laughs) no man it's it's all vigo mortensen that's fair yeah can't blame (laughs) it or maybe sean bean yeah no argument uh, but there's something there's something about the film, especially whenever they're they're doing and this happens in the the other like two towers and Return of mm-hmm. the King where they have the big sweeping shots and you you can feel the film. Yeah, I mean, and you was, can feel the adventure that they're going on. Yeah, I mean, it was a New Zealand tourism shot gone crazy. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure, that's fair. I mean, going to New Zealand, I, you know, I'm all all in, right? Yeah. That's, that is your your romantic trip of the wild sweeping vistas yeah. and all those others. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So th- that's kind of my quintessential when I think of like a romance film of just kind of like where I'm kind of going with it. Normally, you you know, you could also say something, you know, like Treasure Island or, you know, Treasure Planet. Wow, we're here. Hey, what Look do you know? <laughs> Go figure. It yep. just plays right together. And I'm, I've been trying so hard to not make like Frodo and Sam jokes. With this definition, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to stay strong. I'm going to yep. stay strong. Okay. So, Stephen, you are next. All right. So, Why is Stephen next? Because you have a protest choice. You've already told us, and you're going to go last, and you're going to have to defend it. And I'm going to like it. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so, my example is one that only two-thirds of this group have seen. Okay. And the other third needs to see. And it's Luca. Okay. Luca is... Uh, so Pixar was on Disney Plus only stream. It is a romance. I know I know why you picked this one. Because I'm shaky on this definition and Andrew hasn't seen it, so we can't dispute you. Yes. <laughs> well, no, it's not that you can't dispute me. It's it's that neither of you were gonna pick it. <laughs> I was safe, totally safe over here, and I was pretty sure I was safe over there. But it it is it is a modern example of a romantic piece mm-hmm. that you maybe you don't always see as much it was a really big thing it was like a, a huge genre for a long time mm-hmm. you don't always see it as much now and their whole the whole ideal the whole quest is for a vespa mm-hmm. and the romantic I idealization where they can find some <laughs> but <laughs> well that uh, that just dated when the episode took kind place. of you never know pretty close Anyways, but their their whole quest and this idealization of what life is like with a Vespa, uh-huh. and it's it's so it's two boys who aren't uh, great on an understanding of cult, Italian culture or mm-hmm. like a, a marketing ploy. Basically, they're falling for the marketing of what life is like. You know, lifestyle marketing of having a Vespa. Yeah, gotcha. And they are they're all in, but they have. No means to purchase it, no way. So mm-hmm. then it's a question of what what do they do, what hurdles they overcome, and how does that grow and strain, et cetera, the friendship involved. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's just, it's a really fun, really lighthearted, really cute movie at its core. Uh, but I love the, uh, and it's really, it's very over the top, idealization of the object and the the realization of their quest. Because I think mm-hmm. especially like when you were a young kid, the way they visualize what life would be like with that is the way that 
a lot mm-hmm. of kids see it, especially when it maybe maybe oh gosh, I don't want to make myself sound like a really old person, but maybe <laughs> in an era where there was less instant gratification as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to mail in the box tops for the the beanie topper hat or whatever, and it takes like six weeks for that to get there, and then six weeks for it to come. I'm referencing a Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah, yeah, but and it takes six weeks for it to get back there, and then it finally arrives and. Then it's the, really the test of, well, does whatever you have idealized, does that live up to what this is? Mm-hmm. And of course, with this story being the quest and the adventure, it, it's ultimately, it's not about the goal. It's about, you know, the friends we make along the way. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, so that's, that's my pitch for a modern romance. Romance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Joel. Okay. I'm, I'm so I'm, interested. I really want to so... know what this is. <laughs> <laughs> so I am going with a nearly 20-year-old film. That that's is, not no two thousand. Don't like do 2000s. that to me. Yeah, don't say that. Released <laughs> in two thousand four, and it has been somewhat lost to the obscurity of time. Okay, and it Did is say equilibrium. No, it is <laughs> Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow. Oh no, that's a very romantic film. Okay, so that's that's a safe pick because I've never seen it. <laughs> Couldn't take it from you. But so like it's it's a pre World War Two alternate history Earth kind mm-hmm. of setting. This where, has uh, Jude Law in it yeah, and Jude, Angelina Jolie. And Gwyneth Paltrow. It had, yeah, it had yeah, a yeah, big yeah. name cast. I mean, mm-hmm. I, this was, it It did not do well at the box mm-hmm. office. If I remember no, it correctly. didn't. But, but the idea is that you've got this essentially world that revolves around, it has a lot of kind of advanced technology, not quite steampunk in aesthetic, mm-hmm. but steampunk in in like what the technology can do. Like, like real aerial yeah. punk. Right. And what? yeah, so everything's based around planes and yeah. blimps and, and stuff like that. Oh, oh, that I sorry, A R O W. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, how do you power everything with a blow? That makes no sense. <laughs> you just had this guy in the back just shooting, shooting arrows, shooting yeah. right into the engine over and over. Like, like, we have some some bizarre magic system to explore here. <laughs> anyway. So Jude Law's character is like the the captain of this paramilitary mercenary group. Okay. And he gets involved in a a mystery that ends up being kind of a uh, mad scientist is going to destroy the world kind of stakes. Right. And then goes on a journey around the whole world trying to catch up to the bad guys and find the things before the bad guys do and and ultimately thwart their plans. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean that's that's but, actually a very romantic film. That's not a that's not a protest film. It was at a all. protest film at all because it's actually not great. Like it's not a great film. <laughs> it does, the the movie does not have to be good for you to no, enjoy it. No, but like it's actually really interesting. It's, it's really interesting from a um an a, like experiencing it like a, from the cinematography perspective because mm-hmm. the whole thing is like sepia tone and just yeah. a little like the focus around the edges is all, always really soft yeah it's, it's a very um it's a very aesthetic film right and so it's it's like you're looking at photographs of the 1940s yeah which in, i thought was such a in cool film form and so that's that's really interesting mm-hmm. that that kind of reminds me of uh, we kind of mentioned it at the spider-man episode but pleasantville mm-hmm. uh, is similar to that where they have pretty much the first half of the film is all in black and white mm-hmm. and very similar to like the, um, the the filming techniques and everything that they used. And then as the film progresses, uh, color gets introduced into the world. And then mm. that's, oh, that's, that's cool. kind of their uh, allegory for uh, for being different or being open, free thinking, you know, blah, right, blah, yeah. blah. Change, change from the norm. Exactly. Right. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, up until that point and similar to like WandaVision. Whenever yeah. they, you know, they, mm-hmm. they went through all the different eras of time throughout the series for TV where they had, right. you know, obviously like Bewitched and then they, you know, you went over to uh, the next one, which I think was 
Uh, like, well, you start you started with Dick Van Dyke show actually, and yeah. then you went to Blue Edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you but you move across the eras of black and white into yeah color. into that filming style, and, and, and they had the kind of that 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 slow introduction of color until mm-hmm. it finally just all hit. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, yeah. But no, but, Sky Captain World Tour is great. I haven't. I mean, I haven't watched it probably since it came out. I've never yeah. seen it. Yeah, but I, I, um, I think it's been like I watched it in theaters when it came out, and I mm-hmm. think I, I don't think I've seen it since. Yeah, but I mean, but, there are. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Well, I was just going to say that it, it's it's a very uh, teenage boy's idea of going on an adventure. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 absolutely. And well, and that's that is the defin well, not the definition with teens, but like that is pretty much the definition of what romance mm-hmm. is is the the ideal of of an adventure mm-hmm, right. is, is kind of kind of where it's at. Well, I mean that that has ultimately kind of morphed into the young adult fiction that mm-hmm. we see today, where you have this kind of romantic adventure. They just also have to add the romance in with a love interest or three. <laughs> because we, everyone has to pick best girl or best boy, you know. Whatever. Yeah, you know, you got to gotta make a t- tough choice between two perfect ideals of something and yeah. you got to make one, yeah. That's how life is, right? It's yeah, exactly yeah, super, how exactly how it works. Yeah, I, I think talking about, you know, romantic, especially films, but also books to some extent, because if the specific thing that they are romancing really speaks to you, then it's really easy to overcome and say, well, okay, yeah, it's for most people, it's probably not a very good movie, but for you, perfect. This mm-hmm. is this was the right amount of whimsy or the right mm-hmm. amount of of dream that you wanted. Yeah. And you know, yeah, it's yours. Take it, run with it. Right? Yeah, there, there's there's never anything wrong about enjoying something that is a, not necessarily the best movie or TV show or book right. or whatever. Enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. who cares? I'm, I I love plenty of bad movies. Oh, so. I love so <laughs> many bad films. Okay, I know you consume garbage on a on anime basis. all the time. Like, like a raccoon over here. He was <laughs> yeah. just in the trash. But but that's the thing, though, is you'll never know it's good or bad until you watch it. And that's very fair. That's a very fair assessment. Or, until or, or if you like it. Yeah, or I guess <laughs> whatever. Okay, moving on. Moving forward. So into the point of this episode, we're talking about Treasure Planet, and it is time for Joel to do a little math and give me a composite score. All right. For Treasure Planet. So among the three of us, using our rubrics and enhanced mental capacities, because we have them. Sure. Why okay. not? I guess. <laughs> you're you're <laughs> struggling with. I, I have no idea where that I don't know. I don't know where he's going here. Either. And anyone, no one should ever recommend me as an enhancer. <laughs> Mental, whatever he, yeah, whatever he just he said. He was staring directly at me the whole time. I was like, don't, don't do this to me, Joel. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> I about. Can't, I can't help you. You're going to a place I cannot I follow. Can't follow. <laughs> anyway, There's uh, Star Wars we, we, looked, yeah. we looked at this and we said, mm, that deserves a 7.8 out of 10. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, obviously, I, there, I contributed one third of this and I agree. There, there were, I agree. There were rubrics involved. There yes, were rubrics they, involved. For, <laughs> for reference, for those of you at home. Uh, we grade a film or TV series on four pillars of the, four pillars of review. Uh, spectacle, which is in this case going to be heavily reliant on the animation, but the overall feel, the the action, the the general production value of uh, and hype of the of the a, movie. A lot of it, it's the things that make you say "Wow!" Yeah, or go "Oh!" or mm-hmm. they elicit big reactions out of you, mostly visually. Yeah. Uh, the performance. So we're looking at the cast, how well they did, how well they matched what their expectations were. Did they rise up to the material? Did they bring Detract it down with it. them? Yeah. Right. 
uh, the score, so music, and then the plot, which is where we go to punch holes in anything we feel and see fit <laughs> to do. The plot is always the uh, the the punching bag, essentially. It's not, it's not always the lowest, but it's never the highest. It's never, yeah, it's, it's very rarely the highest. <laughs> Honestly, that's a good point. Spectacle and performance are often probably, probably our highest marks across. I feel like those are the easiest to nail, though, right? Like, yeah. like when you're in a visual medium and you are hyper-focused on what are the actors doing and how are we representing mm-hmm. that concisely on screen, then those categories are really where most of your attention are going into. Yeah. I actually would be interested to see if we could ever find a film that could have a perfect 10 for a plot. Perfect plot. Ooh, that's hard. Or, or a movie, TV, doesn't matter. Just we, we, may, we may have to think about that, but if you at home have a film or TV series that you think is a 10, you can join us in our Discord. Let us know, and we will take a look and maybe even give it a review and see how badly we can dash your dreams and hopes. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, then we just take that as a challenge. Be like, well, oh, don't, we're going to find something wrong no, no, with be it. Be sneaky. Don't say this is a tent. Just say, hey, you should review this. And then we might just be like, oh, we're really good. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Okay, so. Anyways, moving forward. Yeah, um, you can continue with your synopsis, bad synopsis of Treasure Planet. Oh, bad synopsis of Treasure Wait, Planet. we're doing a bad synopsis now? I mean, just we whatever doing his, a synopsis are his synopsises are even good. Okay, go, go read the novel Treasure Island. And it's roughly that. And then watch, <laughs> watch an episode of Star Trek, but when they're on the holodeck. Yeah. And you're good. There, there we go. There we go. All right. So we <laughs> <laughs> troubled youth, Jim Hawkins, mm-hmm. uh, finds a treasure map or is given a treasure map from a dying spacer turtle. who is He's it's a turtle. a turtle spacer. <laughs> the only, pirate, the only descriptor pirate. used of the character is salamander. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, interesting. Said, that old salamander. Anyway, so. <laughs> So he gets this and immediately pirates attack his mother's inn, uh, presumably trying to get it. The the salamander said, keep this away from the cyborg. Right. Right. And so then Jim figures out how to open the map. It's got some sort of like like Dude, locking Rupert, system on it. Fiddly yeah. bits. Rupert's and uh, his uh, a friend of the family decides to, based on the the map and the the treasure to which it potentially leads, he decides to finance an expedition to go to Treasure Planet. That's the name of the movie. Hey, what do you know? <laughs> and I should have knocked a point off just for that. <laughs> <laughs> and so then they go on a spacefaring adventure, which the the whole texture of the film is very much, you know, seafaring, tall sailing ships, but in space, right? So mm-hmm. like there's not there, there are some elements of where you're like, okay, this is like space technology, but most of it is very much seafaring technology that they just put in space. Yes. Yeah. And, and I have to say that is maybe one of my favorite, gosh, Master and Commander ruined me. I was going to say that. And just the whole, it's not steampunk, but it's this high tech, but it's still very obviously a sailing vessel. Yeah. Love that aesthetic. It's sailing punk. <laughs> so long as it doesn't require dudes in the back with a bow and arrow yeah, it's better than arrow punk okay <laughs> apparently it depends on which part of the english language you want to believe that the word is <laughs> anyways so uh i guess i kind of kicked it off there with my whole I mean, going we, off we, about we gave boats. it a 7.8 yeah we gave it some point. Well, this we clearly this enjoyed it pretty pretty good rating you know comparable with others yeah not naming names uh but 
again, heavily weighted towards the sailing, and then they they kind of transform the concept of boats, but it's in space, but mm-hmm. it's still blatantly up. You could put this it's, boat- it's, it's soupy space. It could land in water and it would be yeah. fine because yeah. what it's going through is water. Yes. Yeah. Star Wars space. Mm-hmm. And I think the execution of that that shift, because, you know, Treasure Island at its core, it's a sailing Yeah. Boat. Mm-hmm. So the it translates well. I mean, that's that's what they're going for. Right? They're, they're looking for that twist, and ends up being a really beautiful movie. Honestly, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, Andrew. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of on the same lines. I've you know, I, I read Treasure Island when I was a kid, and I've I've been. Not, I mean, not gonna say intimately familiar with the story. You know, as I've grown up, I've probably been 25 years since I've I've watched a movie or a film or, or read a book. You know, that was Treasure Island. But, you know, I, I've, I'm still, you know, I've, I, it's one of those kind of stories that you grow up, especially as a, as a young boy that like, you know, you just kind of like, you just kind of absorb it, mm-hmm. I guess. And, and partially maybe because, you know, like that's where a lot of my romantic visions of, you know, sailing on ships or going into space and it just that, that same kind of sense of adventure has mm-hmm. always kind of spurned from. And this movie scratches that itch. It was a lot of fun. There were, um, you know, the the CGI actually still holds up pretty well from you know 2002 when it came out, and the animation as as a whole really, yeah, I mean, holds up. there's and they actually made a couple really good changes in the the film compared to the book that actually kind of elevated some of the plot elements that may have been a little bit outdated. Yeah, it's definitely a more character centric and relationship centric look mm-hmm. at the classic story. Yeah. And overall, I mean, it was, just, it was just a really fun movie. I'm I'm sad that whenever it came out, it just didn't do very well in the box office. So, you know, I guess Disney decided that it just didn't need to exist anymore. And that's, you know, how it goes. Joel? Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I think it was, it's really, it shows what you can do with transposing stories into different settings yeah Mm -hmm. because like while they still maintained like these are definitely sailing ships uh, (laughs) they very much so they did reskin everything there are aliens all over the place Mm -hmm. the only two characters in the whole film are human right yeah and yeah and you know so so they get to have a lot of fun with playing with those and how they that affects interactions between characters yeah and how that affects the the kinds of action sequences you might have because different aliens have different physical capabilities mm-hmm. and there's you know they 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 have like I, I mentioned really lean more into the relationship yeah. side of of the story and it really allows you to focus in on the main character as a a coming of age story where he's overcoming real problems yeah um, as opposed to it being solely a grand adventure. Yeah. Um, and well, I think that really deepens it. Yeah. Cause like the, the original book is really just an adventure mm-hmm. that, that Jim Hawking just kind of gets brought into. And then that's kind of it. Like yeah. there's, there's no, I mean like there is some, some character development, but mostly a couple of decisions at the end of the book just don't really make sense. in in the sense of like what happened in the book. Mm-hmm. And um, and some of the changes, yeah, that they made for the movie was actually really nice. Well, as we head into the intermission next, we're preparing to dig all the way to the centroid of the mechanism where the spoilers lie. That doesn't sound like your cup of juice. This is your chance to get off the boat. But before you go, if you like what you heard, you can support us at patreon.com slash spoilers intended podcast. 
If you decide to stick around, welcome to the crew. Now on with the show. And that wraps up the intermission. Hope everyone enjoyed a quick little break. We are back and we have brought the spoilers. So be warned. We are well spoilers and truly past yar. 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 <laughs> no, yar. No see your serpents, just spoilers. <laughs> so we're going to jump. <laughs> yar. <laughs> Although we have truly descended into madness. They opened the box of yars. Yar. It's the yar. Right, are we seeing St. Elmo's fire? Okay, apparently that I'm was completely lost stare on you for, blankly for that one. That, it's from Moby Dick. Don't care. Ah, oh, God. Don't care. It's, it's a green light that... I know that, I know yeah. exactly what that is. I just don't... I don't... Wow. I'm not here to deal with St. Elmo's Fire. <laughs> Which is... It's also a movie, isn't it? Uh, I have no idea about oh, that one. See, now we just got way off base. Anyways... Is Treasure Plan. Isn't St. Elmo's Fire just the meme with Elmo going, you know, like, with his <laughs> arms extended to the heavens and the that, fire that, burning behind no, him? See, okay, we are really falling down now. That's Aeropunk, and this is Aeropunk. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyways, <laughs> Treasure Planet, it's a movie. We all watched it. We enjoyed it. We enjoyed it. Yes. 7.8 total, so there has to be some pretty decent scores in here, and I think we're going to find a couple yep. pretty early. So, kicking off. Spectacle. Yep. I'm going to go to me. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't know who to go with. So I'm going with me. So I gave it a nine. Well, what is the definition of spectacle for our, it, our It's a our, nine. That's the definition. Our viewers, readers, listeners. Nine, 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 nine. <laughs> it's, it's the things that make you go wow. In wow. this case, it's going to be oh. the animation. It's mostly visual impact. Mm -hmm. and, and, and this movie actually had quite, has a, bit quite a bit. Yeah, mm -hmm. a lot more than I remembered, honestly. But but really and truly, ultimately, it's it's kind of that wow factor. Yeah, things that really amp up and make it soul sell it in this case as a visual medium. Uh, so like the animation here. Yeah. So going into that, the animation was great. It mm -hmm. held up really well for. I mean, we're talking an almost twenty year old movie yeah. that it got a good budget from Disney. It was one of Disney's you know lost pieces of, of animation of film. That kind of um, that kind of happened between essentially like ninety eight to to two thousand four ish. Just say Pixar. Yeah, yeah. But basically, it got pushed off to the side, and it's been gathering dust because it didn't do as well as they hoped. And it's it's a little surprising actually that it doesn't or that it didn't because I mean Treasure Island is a classic, a liter literally a literary classic. Yeah, and by it, definition, it's, it's kind of and you know you would think with with uh, a source that old and that tried and true, like, you know what to expect going into right. it, that it would be a lot easier for them to like transpose it into something that would be, you know, that people enjoy like mm. Lion King, which is Hamlet. Right. Yeah, exactly. So again, animation is great. The CGI, there are a couple of moments of CGI where it's a little, mm, that's, that's okay. Yeah. It's a long time ago. Mm -hmm. A little questionable at times, but for the most part, especially again, we, we went into this talking about, you know, the romance aspect. Mm -hmm. And its depiction, visual depiction of their form of space travel looked awesome. Mm -hmm. yeah. Just frankly, gorgeous at all turns. Well, I loved whenever they opened up the sails and like the solar sails start kind of like pulsing with the energy from the sun mm -hmm. or the, the, know, solar, mm -hmm. the solar collection. Yeah. 
yeah, I, little touches like that were great. The the look and feel of the tech. Yeah. While sometimes maybe had kind of a weird, it's not, it's like a reverse anachronistic feel. Yeah, where it's like, we have all this super high technology. Guess what? Your lifelines are going to be rope. Yeah. Plain old rope. But sometimes when you're playing with kind of these, uh, not, it's kind of, it's a, it's a punk. Or yeah, it's kind of like a half breed. Is it an arrow punk? No, stop. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's not hard sci-fi. They're not setting out to say this is hard sci-fi, but it's also not steampunk. It's just some kind of cross of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there are some things that fall in the gaps in there, mm-hmm. and that that's a little weird, and we'll get into that a little later. Well, that's kind of like more in the plot. Yeah, so we'll get into yeah. that a little later. Um, but aesthetically, it's really amazing. Aesthetically gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And I, every every uh, set, every thing that is put on that screen looks good. It looks way better than I remembered, honestly. And mm-hmm. that's just, to me, I think that was what really stood out to me. Said, yeah, there's a couple moments, oh, the CGI, a little questionable. but on the whole, the animators really enjoyed what they were doing and really put a lot of color and life into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Andrew? Yeah. Um, so I gave it a seven on Spectacle. Ooh. Well, a bit of a bit so, of fall. Well, That's fine. Um, so I'd never seen this movie before we decided to review it. Oh, wow. Okay. I yeah. So I, I never watched it in theaters. I never, um, I just never got around to watching mm-hmm. it, basically. Spoilers. Nobody else saw it in theaters, <laughs> including me. Wow. Um, okay. So the reason why I gave it a seven was there were uh, a decent amount of instances where like, so the character designs are actually pretty fantastic, Mm -hmm. especially for all the aliens. Silver is just so cool. Like they, they did such a good job with realizing kind of like the cyborg, you know, peg leg Mm -hmm. and, uh, an arm. And then he's got the eye and it's kind of the whole package. And he, he really fits that, that kind of, you know, like the, the big cook. Mm-hmm. pirate guy and then you have you know jim hawking he's just a dude he's just you know kind of like the stand-in for for the young adult that would that would be reading the book or watching the movie mm-hmm. and you can tell that they spent so much time kind of crafting this universe that has all these like really diverse characters with aliens that have all these like weird features and everything and mm-hmm. it, it really fits the style that they went for the animation mm-hmm. and then you kind of get to jim and his mom and there are a lot of like frames and scenes where they're like, they just don't really fit the model just because like, you know, so whenever I see an alien on screen, I'm like, well, that's just what the alien looks like. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, whatever it is. But whenever I see a human on screen, like I know what a human I know, should look yeah, like. <laughs> I know what you should look like and you don't really look like that. Yeah. And there's a couple scenes where they just kind of go off model where they just, you know, they just kind of eyes are looking in two different directions mm-hmm. or their <laughs> eyes are a little bit too far apart from their head. And that to me just kind of took me out a couple times where like otherwise a, a decent scene would be kind of ruined from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even, you know, even then that's, that's super nitpicky and no one besides me is probably going to notice it, but you know, I didn't. Yeah. I mean, well, and that's the thing too, isn't it? I mean, I watch a ton of anime and right. I, I make note whenever characters go off model because, Oh, they probably didn't have the budget for that or you know, whatever. Uh, the only other thing that I really, you know, didn't necessarily enjoy was the depiction of a fully CGI Ben whenever they get Mm -hmm. to treasure planet Mm -hmm. and it's a little uncanny Valley with him, like kind of just being able to do whatever, like, like bend however he needs to. And all these other kind of like weird mechanical things with a fully CGI character paired with a bunch of hand drawn characters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you have a a straight up, 
comparison right in front of you just because he's interacting with all the hand-drawn elements. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, like, I, you know, I totally agree. Like the CGI actually holds up really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, you know, the whales looked a little weird, but a little, yeah. uh, you know, little. The, the, it's, it's very hard for, especially early CGI to replicate kind of like organic skin. Yeah. And th- like they, even now it's still hard. Yeah. I mean, even now I mean, metallics are. Probably the easiest yeah. or, or like earthy. Well, and, and Ben still looked good. He just didn't. I just don't think he fit into his scenes very well. Mm, he didn't as, as, yeah. Um, so what, what did you think, Joel? Well, I. Stephen, you gave it a nine. Mm-hmm. Andrew, you gave it a seven. I mm-hmm. went right in the middle. Give it an eight. Yep. Okay. And, you know, the the CGI, while like kind of in a vacuum, seems to hold up pretty well. Like, yeah. Like it didn't didn't age poorly. I I just it takes me out a little bit every time that the CGI was blatantly interacting with the, the 2d animation mm-hmm. just because like the motion is not, is not synced. Cause like when you're, when you're, especially when you're panning the camera through the 3d space that you have designed in your, mm-hmm. your, your and, CGI environment, and then you're putting animated characters in that mm-hmm. they're just, they, they don't, they don't move the same way. Yeah. Right. Well, it's tough, it's tough to, to pair a camera, like a 3d camera and then a, a flat, essentially a flat cell yeah. and create perspective in there while making it look like he's moving through this 3d scene. Yeah. And they did a lot of that because, because the, the entire ship is, is CGI. Mm-hmm. And so having the animated characters move through that when the camera was still, when I say camera, but you know, when yeah. the frame is still right. is, is one thing. But then when you're trying to have these sweeping shots, it, it really, you can start to see the kind of the, the seams part a little bit. Yeah. Uh, between the, the two different types of fabrics being woven together. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition to that, and I'm, I'm, this is a pet peeve, but I'm going to bring it up. <laughs> this is a, a sci-fi trope that I really despise that they leaned into real hard. Oh. Um, and that is, naming something familiar so that you know instantly what it is but also naming it from x place you don't know to make it sound exotic a- alien exotic so like ethelian blood pairs right yeah like like this is the kind of thing that you'd see in star trek all the time and it's here all over the place yes and it is just it really annoys me like <laughs> like that's not what they call it there call it the same name that they call it there <laughs> i don't know i mean maybe they call them ethelian blood pairs in some weird third person world that where they just they, they just talk out like out of character all the time you don't know this they're aliens okay. yeah you know how they work yeah i, I know how they work oh oh, oh. i know how we've got they an work. expert you over here here first expert. ladies and gentlemen no, but like this is this is something that's that's fairly common in sci-fi, or at least at least maybe not so much recently, but in like the '90s and early. 2000s oh yeah, no, sci-fi. I mean it, that's it's just always there. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of really more like a soft sci-fi, mm-hmm. where where they, it's more of a it's more of a, a setting, right? They want to use a term, but they don't really want to take the time to explain it. Whereas hard sci-fi is going to tell you why this exists and how it evolved. Yeah, yeah, et cetera. So yeah, difference between you know. Um, dune and star wars yes big time yeah. man you can't even call star wars soft sci-fi no it's just fantasy it's just fantasy, fantasy yeah. <laughs> dune and star trek though that's that's more okay the yeah there we go yeah, yeah there yeah, that's that's a little bit no we got a, we got a quota name it again <laughs> moving on time to talk performance and we're gonna go reverse order from last time so joel all right taking it away i 
liked how that eight felt for spectacle. Yeah. And so I'm going to use it again. I, okay. <laughs> he likes the way an eight looks. I've got an eight. It's very for, symmetrical. It's got, it's got like a circle and it's got like another circle. <laughs> and circles are perfect. So they're, they're, just, that's just, doubly perfect. Mwah. And so. <laughs> There's a band named after that. <laughs> so <There it> is. <clears throat> this is two perfect circles. So we have a performance score of eight from me. I felt that um, Silver really carried the show. He did. His performance was spectacular. He was terrifying when he needed to be terrifying. He was like sort of sweet and smarmy and and mock innocent when he needed to be. Mm-hmm. And then he was really heartfelt. You could tell that he was really growing to love Jim yeah. and see not only see himself in Jim, but see how much more potential Jim had than even he did. Mm-hmm. And to really take him under his wing and encourage him to develop that but all the while knowing that he has this obsession that has consumed his life that he He has to fulfill. He has to fulfill and he knows he's going to sacrifice Jim to do it Mm -hmm. Um, right up until the moment where he realizes that Jim has now eclipsed this, this lifelong dream of his and he chooses to save Jim instead of getting the treasure. Yeah. And like, I like, Really, the whole movie, I mean, the whole movie is about Jim and Jim coming to overcome the damage that his father leaving at, mm-hmm. a, at a young age did to his right. self-worth. Mm-hmm. Um, but like while that while that's true and that's what the show is about, it's really Silver is the actor in all of that. Yeah. And so so his performance being spot on, I think, was really the reason why the movie rings true. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, so for me, I, you know, I gave it a seven and, uh, basically the same kind of, you know, uh, glowing remarks that, that, that Joel said, uh, silver essentially carried the film Mm -hmm. and I really loved, um, the, uh, the captain. She was, she was just super fun and she had such a good, uh, that British dry wit. Let me try to make this as monosyllabic as possible. Yeah. <laughs> no, she's, she's got some great one line. And, yeah. and that's um, uh, Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she is, uh, she's been in a ton of films, like over, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, so many films. And she always does such a good, uh, just that, that kind of like uh, sarcastic mm-hmm. kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. And she did such a, such a fantastic job with that for this. Um, for this film, especially whenever she was talking to Mr. Arrow, because you could tell that they had this kind of um, uh, uh, secondhand yeah. um, understanding of kind mm-hmm. of what each one was saying, even though like whatever she was saying was actually kind of rude. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's just bl- brushes right off of him. He's just like, oh, I don't care. Let's go. Yeah. Um, the the biggest the only thing that I really detracted from me was uh, unfortunately because Jim is essentially the stand in for a lot of like the viewers, mm-hmm. he kind of falls a little bit flat with, with a good portion of his early part of the film. And then yeah. once it gets more to the emotional sections, then he, 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 George, jo- uh, uh, <laughs> Joseph Gordon Levitt, I was going to yes. say Jason for whatever reason, uh, whenever he finally gets to, to kind of strut his, his um, acting skills, or voice acting skills, then it, it starts kind of to show through, especially towards the end, whenever he is finally confronting Silver about his betrayal. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, it, 
it was still, I mean, like all of, everyone did a really good job and, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I enjoyed it. And silver is still probably the, the standout character, I think, yeah. uh, outside of the doctor, but I'll, I'll give Steven that cause I know he, he likes the doctor. Yes. All right. So last time we went around in a circle and we did a nine, a seven and an eight. And this time we've gone around the circle. We've got an eight and a seven. So I'm going to give it a nine <laughs> <laughs> because symmetry, people, symmetry is important by God. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, a lot of the points that have already been made here, um, obviously Emma Thompson as uh, Captain Amelia, yep. who I had to look up because I could not, I just, other than just the I, captain. I'm not sure I had it here. her name said. I, I, it, more maybe like the maybe, the scene in which she was introduced, yeah. and then other than that, is just Captain. I actually had her down here as Captain Amelia, and I didn't even look at my notes mm-hmm. because that's me. So. <laughs> uh, but uh, like you said, Doctor Doppler. Uh, so that's David Hyde Pierce. Yep. And honestly, going back through the IMDb, it's like there's a lot of pretty pretty well known names that they had here to mm-hmm. to do this, and I can see why there was a budget and some expectations of return. Mm-hmm. Uh. But the doctor in particular really jumped out. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a couple of great lines. And it, it ultimately it boiled down to the interaction not between him and Jim because uh, Jim – the doctor doesn't understand Jim and he bores Jim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jim is bored with him. And it, it's, it's true throughout. That's why in a lot of ways why Flint is kind of – not Flint. Long John Silver is Silver. kind of the, yeah. the surrogate father that Doppler is not mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you have a lot of really great interactions between – Captain Amelia and Doppler, mm-hmm. which I really liked because, again, maybe this is part of why you're saying you look at Jim and say, "Well, it just falls flat. It's just a human. I know what a human looks like." Because a lot of the alien personalities were able to be just immediately read because that's how they looked. Yeah, you know, Mister Arrow is big, stal- stalwart, reliable. You know, strong as a rock. Right? Yeah, he's a rock. Yeah, he's just a talking <laughs> rock. Big burly rock. Uh, Captain Amelia, quick witted, really sharp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dr. Doppler's a dog. Yeah. And he, and he looks, you know, kind of like the, the, the goofy or Snoopy kind of like right. style. He definitely has kind of some goofy to yeah. him just in general, but the way that the two of them interacted, because it's kind of like, oh, we're, we have, you know, the, the going at it like cats and dogs here, right. where they're, you know, don't necessarily get along and kind of their path throughout was kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, and of course he has, he gets, you know, the best line of probably the whole movie. <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to say it here because it has a word that we try to avoid. Or can I say it? I don't. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I, I, I know what you're saying. Maybe yeah. it's a play on Star Trek. Yeah. Dang it, Jim! Dang it, Jim! Oh yeah, yeah. I'm a doctor. Well, I'm not that. I'm not a doctor. Well, I am a doctor, but I'm not that kind of doctor. I have a doctorate. <laughs> it's not the same. When you have a doctor, you help people. When you have a doctorate, you're just useless. Yeah. <laughs> Well, also just because it at that point it really kind of sells him out because up to this point he's felt very comfortable in his world and who he is, mm-hmm. and now he's been thoroughly put out of his element. And if he was actually a you know a doctor and not a doctorate, he could be useful there, but he feels useless here. Yeah. Well, and they they foreshadow that too with like the the scene where they go to the spaceport and he just walks out and he's in this ridiculous looking spacesuit, right? Yeah. And he just talks about how he he got overwhelmed and flustered dealing with the saleswoman mm-hmm. who was who was pushing it pushing the purchase on him right and like you already know right there that he's not he's not he's going not to be a, a reliable he's, actor right well he's in not most he's situations. not going to be calm cool and collect yeah right unlike yeah. someone like say long john silver is always going to project and control mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which the, i think the big 
swing for me with him in terms of how well he was played is the bits when they are in the galley. And so for for reasons, you know, Jem ends up in the uh, the bucket, mm-hmm. the barrel, it's barrel, not a bucket. It's a bucket. The, the, the bigger bar- bucket barrel of barrel. perps. This one, I'll hand it to him. They weren't um, purple Australian lemons or, you know, whatever. Yeah. They were just perps, which is a shortening of purple because they were just purple, purple lemons. Purple <laughs> objects. Right. right. Uh, but he ends up in the barrel and you get to see the full swing because you've seen uh, Silver be very, you know, friendly and fatherly towards Jim, mm-hmm. right? And then in this meeting where Silver is kind of taking out some of his frustration with the rest of his his crew within the crew, you know, you, you get to really see the villainy side mm-hmm. of him. And then once, you know, the, the scene progresses and Jim gets his chance to get out of the barrel, but he doesn't get out of the galley before he encounters uh, Silver coming back. Mm-hmm. And then you really get, because in both the first two scenes, Silver's being very honest. And in that scene, he is being very false. He's trying to force the, oh, yo, you know, Jim, oh. And it falls really flat, especially because Jim is you know wise to him, right? Yeah. And I think that swing and the way that that falsehood landed was just really, really well done by, and it, it's really done by the actors at the end of the day. I mean, mm-hmm. you can animate whatever you want to on that, but that kind of interaction has to come through in mm-hmm. the voice or it just doesn't work. Yeah. And so that, that to me, that really impressed me. That really put it high up. Yeah. And it's just, just such good stuff all throughout. So, And just uh, one, we, we completely didn't even talk about him, um, but Martin Short as Ben, despite my misgivings of, of how he is animated, he right. did a fantastic job as this kind of zany, manic, manic kind of, you know, robot has lost his mind, mm-hmm. which, you know, in the book, he is a, an insane person. Mm-hmm. And um, he he does the rambling really well. And he, he's just like, he just does a really good job at being that kind of character. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a very high energy thing to do. Yeah. All the just time. talking to a microphone. Yeah. Like, oof. Okay. Well, I think we're ready to push forward yeah. into our score score. And I'm going to let Andrew start this one. <laughs> Um, okay, so I gave score an eight. Uh, you know, honestly, like the I, I couldn't really think like I couldn't really pick out like a specific song that or like movement that really like elevated scenes more than what they already were. Mm-hmm. And it definitely helped that the visuals really paired quite well with like this vast kind of um, uh, you know grand adventure mm-hmm. style of of music that they've kind of paired with the movie. And uh, honestly, it was just really good. It was uh, everything kind of, you know, hit pretty well. The only thing that didn't do it for me was the um, the montage song, which was, I, I, I'm assuming, Goo Goo Dolls. It was Goo Goo Dolls, yeah. yeah. And um, it, it, to me, it just really dates it mm-hmm. for, the, <laughs> like, r- crystallizes it in the 2002 range of, ooh, man, we were really emo back then, weren't we? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's... It just, you know, that just kind of took me out of the movie, like, almost immediately when this should be a, a pretty um, good, like, character-building moment mm-hmm. for Jim and uh, and Silver. Yeah. Well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump on there and say I also gave it an 8. Mm-hmm. So, in the, at the end of the day, we arrived at the same conclusion through a slightly different path. I... <laughs> I was very conflicted on the, the Goo Goo Dolls song during the montage because... Yes, it dates it. And yes, I'm not a huge fan of the song. But also, yes, it it s- carries your emotions through the montage. 
And yes, it agrees with all of the emotions that the characters are experiencing are, yeah. during the montage. So it, it emphatically does its job. Mm-hmm. And so I can't a hundred percent fault it. <laughs> right. Even though it's not my favorite. Yeah. Um, but in addition to that, I thought that the main title theme of the film uh, was really fantastic, really, really snappy, really sweeping in a way that, you know, this is going to be a grand adventure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And particularly when they, they don't drop it on you right at the beginning. Cause right at the beginning, they, they, you have young Jim reading the, the story of treasure planet. Right? right. But then they have the really fantastic animated transition of seeing his profile under the, the blanket as he's, you know, mm-hmm. reading the thing again, when his mom told him to go to sleep into exactly the same profile of you seeing him aged up a decade and riding his yeah. his solar surfer right? right which was a fantastic sequence yeah they, didn't, they had, didn't even mention they had a lot of really good transitions mm-hmm. you know in the film that, that sequence was so fantastic i also kind of wonder if a uh, a certain jj abrams ripped kind of the idea and the sequence that goes from on star there. trek yeah oh, that for star trek yeah. yeah for his for his version of kirk mm-hmm. because seeing that i was like you know, if you just put Beastie Boys on over this, this, this would basically, basically be the same. And thing. the way it resolves too with the cops and everything, like this is basically the same scene. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so like, like he he immediately goes into this dive right mm-hmm. with the thing, and then you have him at the last second reengage the engines, pull out of the dive, and then boom, title sequence, and everything is is exciting and adventure for a moment, and then he gets you know stopped by the cops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cops, cops, cops are always are ruining, ruining everything. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, overall, I I give the score an eight, and it I think it really carried. Yeah. So, for also different reasons, I have also somehow achieved perfect symmetry with an eight <laughs> on score. Uh, so me personally, I'm I'm actually a pretty big Ruby Dolls fan. I mean. Yes, it was the late 90s, the early 2000s. Emo was a thing. And to Joel's point as well, you know, we're running this this montage, which is at its base core, very emotional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it fit for what it was. And it was written for that. It was not just they just pulled a random song yeah. off their catalog. So, hey, can we pay the no, I mean, licensing it, for it? Like the, the dialogue for the, for the song fit what was happening on screen and the emotions they were feeling. Right. I, I don't disagree you just, there. You just want that ex- expressed differently. Yeah. Uh, that's totally <laughs> fair. That's totally fair. And I'm not a Goo Goo Dolls fan right. at all. So for so. me, for me, it hits. And I've, you know, I've listened to the song, that song on its own. Mm-hmm. But overall, you know, I would agree with Joel that overall the score really has that big, grand, sweeping adventure feel. Yeah. And I think they really hit those notes well. They didn't always hit it when they could. I think there were some missed opportunities. Mm-hmm. I, I felt that the end of the film... Uh, whenever they're like they're they're going through like all of the you know kind of like the the lava and or like the laser laser beams yeah. and everything like that, I felt that it there wasn't a lot there. Right. Yeah. That, like it, like it just it didn't have the beginning of the the film where they but they also don't have as much going on, so you're you're going to notice the score a lot mm-hmm. more. Right. And that tends to be when a score really sells itself. Right. Is in the quiet emotional mm-hmm. moments. That's when you can really play it, unless you're just you know. Zimmer banging on a shepherd tone. <laughs> uh, but overall, really good. Yeah. Really helped the movie more, far more than it ever really hurt it. Just mm-hmm. sometimes it just wasn't always there. When, yeah. or, or didn't, if it was there, it just could have been more there maybe. Mm-hmm. So moving forward onto everyone's favorite, it's the plot. And I'm going to take this one for myself. Yeah. You, you need to start this time. Yeah. Why not? So I gave plot a seven. And for me, it it's just kind of a known story. Yeah. And so it's hard. I think they did a good job of, you know, giving Silver a little more. Mm-hmm. 
a little more meat to it than you know the the original story does or anything yeah. else. But it just some elements in it the the mid you you need that call it low level but the mid art tension for the characters to overcome before the actual real adventure is mm-hmm. and the whole random supernova into a black hole into a your lifeline is a piece of rope mm-hmm. on a high to a murderer of of a crewmate yeah it was just Wow, this just one. This went up to like massively up to eleven. You know, for hard like sci-fi, out of nowhere. Yeah, like, but like for hard sci-fi, here's a black hole. That's a big problem. Yeah, <laughs> and for this, it just kind of was whatever. Obviously, it's, it's a whirlpool. I mean, it's 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 analogous to a a bad storm on right. open yeah. sea, right? Like they're, they're they were looking for a, a hurricane came by. And they're, yeah. Yeah. Except this one's a supernova, and, right? You know, it turns into a black hole. And, yeah, so I mean, you could have had kind of the same effect, and maybe it was like, oh, a buffeting of solar wind or something like that, where it's too much power. That's right, but the like, same idea as a storm in a ship, right? If this is solar power, but like a storm is immediately iconically recognizable, right? Right. Too much wind without like the stormy the elements wind, of the right. clouds and the rain to and stuff, out. right? And so. You needed some sort of immediate iconic imagery in the space setting for you to latch onto and say, I have heard something like that before. Right. <laughs> I recognize this is a problem. But it was it was one of those moments where they had it was almost like a uh kind of a hacker trope where like <laughs> how do you solve the problem? You type faster. Mm-hmm. They kind of had that moment with the doctor yeah. just spouting off astronomical terms and then they just it just works or whatever and you're just yeah. like okay that happened it was it was a lot of tension and it's going to affect the characters in ways you know more so for some than others yeah but it just didn't feel it just didn't hit right it didn't fit the way the rest of the movie really felt i guess mm-hmm. until the very you know climactic end but that has its own energy right yeah so it just it felt easy for me to kind of ding a little bit just because well, within the, the the relationships, they really, I think, improved the story. The actual overall flow of the story, I don't know that they really improved on anything that's been pretty well known. Mm-hmm. So I will kick it out. I'm going to open up the floor. Why don't you all grab it? Um, well, he'll go. Here. I already, yeah. So I... <laughs> he pulled up his notebook. Joel, Joel read his notebook first. He drew faster. <laughs> Fastest notebook in the whip. <laughs> uh, I also gave the plot a seven. Okay. Uh, so there's there's plenty of things to ding. The first thing that comes up is... You know, the Jim's mother's in burns to the ground after Silver and his goons attack and they barely escape. And all that they've got left is the map, right? And right. it's locked inside a puzzle box, essentially. And it's important that it is because later they have to have a reason for Jim to be pulled along to, to go to with be them, the right? only reason he can be their guy. Right, yeah. Uh, but the problem with that is that in order to enable this, what they did is they had Jim just luck into the correct combination in like eight seconds. Yeah, they didn't. Right? There, there was hey, no he's real effort. Good at there. doing a Rubik's cube, okay? But he didn't even know it was a Rubik's cube, right? Like that's that's <laughs> no, the, I, I know. You know, like like it's 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 one thing to say, okay, he's he's really gifted when it comes to spatial reasoning and mechanical thinking mm-hmm. and all these things. Like, I mean, that that they laid groundwork. I accept that. Yeah. But this is there's there's no like <laughs> puzzle boxes operate on arbitrary rules because it's it's whatever the designer, whatever motions the designer wanted you to make. Yeah. Right. Right. 
And he didn't even know it was a puzzle box. He just started randomly fiddling with it and it came apart. Typical teenager. <laughs> I know, right? They'd break everything. <laughs> and so like that's 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 a stretch, but you know, we'll we'll move beyond that. Uh but then, you know, in addition to playing fast and loose with astrophysics. Yeah. You know, yeah. which 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 you do. Um, soupy space. Soupy space. <laughs> they can breathe in it. They need gravity, but they yeah. can breathe in it. Yeah. So so the the part where they have the standoff. You know, they've 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 taken shelter in Ben's hut, so to speak, right? Yeah. And Silver can't really attack them because they've got a, a high ground position mm-hmm. and they can't get out because Silver's got them trapped. And so Silver gives them the ultimatum of, you know, you do what I want, or I'll just use the ship's cannons and and blast out your your position. Yeah. And so Ben and and Jim escape out kind of a, a secret entrance entrance and steal the longboat that the that silver and his men had right and they go up to the ship and have an adventure and ultimately disable the the ship's cannons well, is, it's, is their it's goal not just that goal they don't actually have the map the map was left on the right on right. the uh, boat and so this is this all, all of this so far great but then they come back presumably traversing the same path that they took to get here and when they get back into the hut they get ambushed by silver and his men whose camp they just went by and didn't notice was empty (laughs) yeah that's that's fair so i mean they could be looking the other way i I mean i I don't have any answer to that and neither did the film i mean it's called a plot hole it's it's sort of like a black hole and that you can't escape it. They escape this Question one mark? with explosions. No, oh, yeah, <laughs> you can escape plot holes with explosions. <laughs> it's true. Okay, so based on it. <laughs> all right. Anyways, um, so I gave plot a seven. Consistent. Uh, wow, we have we suddenly settled into rigid consistency so, here. Um, I I think the, I mean, like like Stephen said, it's it's a known story. Yeah, and I I don't. I don't think just kind of like retreading Treasure Island is going to warrant, you know, this like a 10 or, you know, some some massive kind of number. But what they did do to kind of alter the story to make it a little bit more interesting and add a little bit more emotional depth, we've already kind of talked about it a mm-hmm. little bit, was essentially Silver getting a redemption for, mm-hmm. for kind of what he is. because. So, Clearly, he is bonded with Jim over the course of their their voyage, and now he's kind of at a turning point of like, do I, you know, I'm here for the treasure, but then I also care about Jim, and we finally see the uh, everything kind of all collide, and then he obviously chooses Jim, mm-hmm. so he can save him and then get everyone out and, and escape this, you know, exploding planet, and the what they had to do for that to make that happen is they had to make sure that silver was one, not the one to kill arrow, yeah. which happens in the book. He, he just like throws him overboard whenever arrow is drunk. And they redeemed arrow too, for this story. Just yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So it will in, in the story, like arrow is just, he's just uh, kind of a bumbling buffoon, not a good first mate. And then uh, obviously they went the exact opposite here. And mm-hmm. Mr. Arrow is, you know, straight as an arrow mm-hmm. and, <laughs> but, but not, Arrow, not arrow punk. Uh, <laughs> and twang, twang, twang. <laughs> but you know, so they they have the the clearly 
the actual bad guy, the, the little like um, praying mantis dude. Mr. Scroop. Yeah. Uh, they had him kill Arrow instead. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so now you, you still have the same story beat. And it was a really great like mid, mid second act kind of, kind of action beat for Jim to get to defeat him. On, yes. on the adventure yeah. up to the mm-hmm. ship. Yeah, so then then you get uh you know uh, the kind of justice mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. where he he fights him uh, with the help of Ben uh un, unintentionally because Ben is, you know, just throwing uh, and, unplugging and things. And Morph and, who who may be the the second best character out of the yeah. whole. <laughs> so well, they, that doesn't really talk. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the thing that I really liked about what they did with Morph was that this was kind of Disney's way of being able to fill in a lot of their comedic relief and their their normal cartoony style Mm -hmm. in the form of morph without really sacrificing anything from the story or Mm -hmm. the the feel of the adventure yeah like the serious characters got to remain serious but Mm -hmm. you still had the silliness on the side but it made sense in the world because he's he's basically a parrot yeah that's well, just an alien parrot. That, that can, you know, actually affect physics and yeah. stuff like that in his world, even whenever he clones. Like, the the science behind that is just so yeah. mind-bogglingly <laughs> ridiculous. He's, but. he's made of flubber. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> the, the uh, like, whack-a-mole with him was hilarious. But yeah, just the, the random, because, like you said, he's the space parrot, except instead of parroting by repeating things, he parrots by imitating it mm-hmm. in, in actual physical form. Yeah. Just smaller miniature uh but all the all of those little bits were were good hits of kind of your your chuckle to relieve the tension or to to bleed off some of the emotions because i mean ultimately without that yeah it's a really high emotion high emotional stakes movie yeah for for a kid's movie basically yeah and it's you you definitely need some kind of tension reliever Mm -hmm. throughout the throughout a lot of these scenes where like you know clearly after Arrow, they realize that Arrow is dead and it is because the lifeline, quotation marks, failed, even mm-hmm. though we know he was killed. Hey, and props to them. They they even made sure that it would land on Jim's fault. Yeah. Because if you leave the point where it was cut and you assume, oh, well, it broke, that's not Jim's fault. But yeah. by actually removing it off the blaying pen mm-hmm. that it was strapped to, then it plainly lands and be able to point at his feet and say, well, it wasn't tied down properly. Yeah. And because of that, you now you have one a a, a a realization for Jim that he is essentially unintentionally killed someone from his perspective at that moment. I, I don't know that he necessarily believes that because he even well, argues he, back. Well, that. No, I mean, well, he, it's, it's he he then has a almost like a, a a fit of despair where he's like, I I was doing things right, right? right like, I was doing like, so like, well. I was doing so well, and then this is just more proof. That I'm, I can't do anything. Right. I can't do anything right. I'm ultimately worthless. Yeah, it's enough. it's you know it's kind of that low point mm-hmm. where after the the character has been doing well and you have a low point mm-hmm. into that kind of leads into the rising action. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. well, and if you didn't have morph in these scenes, it would just like it would just take the whole like tempo of the of the story down because now you know you're at a very low point for mm-hmm. Jim here and. You need some kind of comedic relief, but not in the sense of like someone like a real, an actual character. Yeah. Well, around. And well, also someone who behaves like, say, Ben, because yeah. Ben is, is his own form of comedic relief, mm-hmm. but it's the kind that would not fit that no, scene yeah. at all. Yeah, that would actually tone deaf. It would actually undercut right. a lot yeah. of this, the tension there, as opposed to gently relieve it. Another thing that they did with Morph that was really interesting was they 
Morph was a stand-in for other characters to talk to when it didn't make any sense for them to actually speak to another character. Yeah. So that you could have them explaining their desires and emotional states and intentions via dialogue, which is pretty much the best way to do it. Mm -hmm. But you didn't have to explain why they would be telling that to another character because they're just talking to this pet. Yeah, basically. Well, and um, whenever Silver is kind of like, uh, go, you know, going back and forth in his head about, you know, like, I know I have to betray Jim. Right. But, you know, I, I obviously care for him. He's having this conversation essentially with himself, but he's just talking to Morph. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, Morph is still reacting to him, but it, it but he can have a monologue without it just being a monologue. Yeah. A villain monologue. Yeah. For yeah. no reason. Yeah. And that, that's actually a really fair point. And they do make great use of that throughout. Uh, do we have to give props to, to Dane Davis, who is credited as Morph's voice? Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the perfect kind of character for Alan Tudyk in his current right. acting career. Yeah. Because he's the chicken or the bird or whatever in yeah. everything. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, like, I mean, really the only, only knocks are just kind of everything we've already talked about for the plot wise. I mean, we we kind of went off on a tangent with, with some character mm-hmm. stuff, but I mean, honestly, I mean, like, I think it's probably, I mean, I'd probably say it's one of the best renditions of of Treasure Island, the book. I would say it is the best adaptation of Treasure Island, the book. I don't know whether what other adaptations have existed beyond just like maybe one or two movies. Y'all are like trying to get a rise out of me or something. Yeah, Muppet uh, Treasure Island here. Muppet Treasure Island. Well, well, Muppet in, Treasure Island way, Silver was a joke compared but, oh, to this. <laughs> well, he doesn't have the same range of emotions because in a, in a lot of ways it's maybe a more true adaptation, yeah, adaptation. Of, what, of what Silver well, well, is like. Because he's he like in the book, he is unredeemable. He is an evil person right. that is only, only there for the money. Mm-hmm. And he... He doesn't. Well, it's not even just there for the money, but it's also sort of he's pursuing his own twisted sense of justice because like this money he feels was denied him by Captain Captain Flint Flint. Mm -hmm. and he was part of Flint's crew and he was he was owed it. Yeah. Right. So. I mean, I mean, back to the Muppet thing. Yeah. (laughs) You, You do also at least have the bit where you still stay true and that silver is the one who gets arrow off of the boat. Mm-hmm. Although it's not, he's still redeemable because it's not actually like permanent in the same sense. I, I, yeah. I don't want to, I, I, I realize we're, we're past the spoiler wall for a version of treasure Island, <laughs> not a spoiler wall for all versions of treasure yeah. Island, but they do find a way to make him still redeemable, mm-hmm. redeemable as a person, uh, without just being like, Oh, well, I'm just black soul, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And they have their own little Muppet twists, et cetera. It's just mostly, it's just, it's Tim Curry on being a villain. So right. yeah. it's hard to not love it. But no, I mean, Treasure Planet for, for, you know, being the animated version, if you will, with its, all of its little twists and whatnot, it's pretty great, which is really taking us into our final, doesn't factor into the actual rating score, mm-hmm. but we're talking faithfulness here. I'm talking romance score. That's me. Oh, <laughs> romance score. Ooh, look out. Andrew, what you got? Uh, I gave it a nine. I think we we know the reasons why. We've yeah. Over, I mean, it, it's pretty well follows the story beat for beat minus giving Silver a little more. Yeah. Which which I mean, ultimately probably helps the story. I think so. Yeah. I also gave it a nine. The only thing, the, the only note there would be they didn't do anything with the black spot, which makes me sad. Right. And you know what? Love at Treasure Island. Uses yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Anyways. 
well, you know, to follow the symmetry trend, I am also giving it a nine. Okay. Um, and and you know, this this doesn't really factor into the the aggregate scoring. This is just how well does it represent the source material, right? Well, I, and I, I, sorry, go ahead. And I, and I and I was saying, like, like I feel like the changes that they made really leaned into the spirit of the mm-hmm. the source material. And whenever an adaptation can do that, you know it's really good. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. When when you 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 acknowledge it exists and then you 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 push through it and make it better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean I think the score, even though it doesn't reflect the final score or in impact the final score, it, it can help some people maybe make a choice if they really like the idea of Treasure Island. And mm-hmm. while it's really faithful, okay, well then you can kind of trust it. Or hey, this is really original. They did a great job of being original for a flip side mm-hmm. where we don't have something to lean back to. That that's a different type of endorsement, so, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but I believe that we are uh, at the point where we have said everything we want to say. We and can we can set sail. Oh, well, there we the, go. Uh, head to the supernova. There we go. No, away from the supernova. <laughs> that's not how. No, it work. it comes upon you like there's no way to know that it was it was going yeah, to happen, the, right? Like it's it's a surprise supernova. <laughs> <laughs> There's no metrics. <laughs> the sales better already be set, is what you really think. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, on that note, that is all the time we have for this episode. So until next time, I'm Steven. I'm Andrew. And I'm Joel. And as always, every spoiler was intended. Yar. 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 <laughs> Yar. <laughs>